Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Howdy, Hulstrand, and this is KWAD Radio, and we're on live. It's Sunday. you believe it's a week already? I know I can never believe it's a week already. But hey, it's not Monday yet. That's always a good thing. So sit back and relax. Or you can get all, all just crazy and call us. I know. That would be scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> Guest call number 714-242-5145. Please don't be shy. Or not. <laughs> oh, this is the Alan Joe Show. And we are on next the next space. Hey, Joe. Hi, Joe. And Al. There's been a lot going on this week in, in Space News. We've got uh, quite a list of stuff for you this week. Well, what? I'm getting your show up, man. Well, let's get all the station notifications I up over. Okay, this is KWAD Radio. Wad Media Production. Coming to you every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Talking about the latest news uh, about and in space. We talk about everything. Uh, we talk about stuff from NASA, international news. We talk about new space news. Uh, and then we have in our second hour, we do some commentary. We discuss some of the different things that are going on. Some of our opinions. You know, everybody's got one.
about to launch a Mars Space Challenge 3D printing contest. Now, back in the 30th, which was a whole week away, uh, they launched uh, a program, a contest, to encourage people to design a utilitarian Mars space which, which can withstand the brutal elements found on the planet.
So it's it's really everybody getting on the wagon. They are getting on the wagon on the 3D printing wagon. It's interesting uh, to see. Well, lots of lots of historical news, uh, also from NASA. Um, ULA has been taking a meeting from Elon Musk and, and actually with Congress recently. Well, sure. Uh, and ULA has decided to disclose uh, some of their pricing information uh, with regard to the big contract that uh, Elon Musk was challenging from SpaceX. Now, um, they said that the per launch price to the government is approximately $225 million. Now, this is a function of the block-by contract as well as some pre-existing backlog. So there's, it, it's really kind of a nebulous number. Now, they go into some more detail and they talk about some of the actual stuff. Um, 36 launch vehicle cores concluded in June of last year. Uh, it's an 11 billion contract. You know, check out the article. Some of it makes sense. And, and some of it just sounds like, I mean, they, they go into some numbers. I am not a congressional budget person. And I gotta tell you, the, the government the government talk speak here kind of goes in circles. There are some numbers that can give you a good idea of what's going on if you're a little bit more familiar with, with the way this is. Uh, but basically, uh, it's more expensive than SpaceX. A lot more expensive than SpaceX. Well, I don't get the Okay, yeah, I guess it's 17 
17 times bigger than the Earth. Yeah, I, I mean, so it's, it, it's kind of a, uh, you know, these, these, these guys think they got a... Sunlight star. Yeah. So, but, uh, it's a big planet. It's a huge planet. Check out the article. It gets some, some nice artist renderings. Um, the ability of us being able to do anything about this planet, it's exciting that they found it. Uh, but i got to tell you, I wouldn't want to live there. Well, because if I try to stand on that planet, I get squashed by its gravity. Squashed right into my shoes. That would be nothing. Probably not. I'd just kind of be a, a blood spot on the ground. A big blood spot. A big, well, no. Well, it's that kind of gravity, I, I seriously doubt it. I'm still freaking messy. Okay? It was, yeah, it wouldn't be messy. I, I seriously doubt I'd be able to get out of the spacecraft. You know, assuming the spacecraft got there. Aerospace is... Smithsonian had an article this week talking about um, the new space telescope. The James Webb Telescope will see out the universe's edge. It's looking about it being a hundred times more powerful than the Hubble. Uh, using infrared technologies and so forth. Uh, it's got four different scientific instruments um, will carry. Uh, built by the European Space Agency, Canadian Space Agency, University of Arizona, and Lockheed Martin and NASA arrived So it's going to be interesting what kind of pictures. You know, we've all enjoyed the pictures from the Hubble, and it has uh, really delivered some uh, gorgeous, gorgeous images and so forth. So uh, a lot of stuff. Every one of you own. What?
BD mission, I want to say. Uh, yeah, I lost out to a mission to Jupiter. So definitely, it, you know, they've got some, they've got a uh, nice little artist conception there uh, and how to export extraterrestrial lakes. Definitely be an interesting idea. I'll tell you what, you know, there's, again, like you say, there's our tax dollars at work. Speaking of tax dollars, okay, the uh, NRC, I forget what that stands for, it's another government agency, generated a report this last week, or at least they released a report, and they talked about NASA's plan. So we're still under NASA. Oh, I guess I got another one here. You <laughs> I got something you don't got. <laughs> You're not going to respond to that, okay. Uh, but fist.org uh, um, gave us links to the article. They gave us a little brief period. Uh, the 285-page report took that long to basically say that if NASA is to make progress in a human spaceflight program, it needs to go big or go home and get to the Martian surface. But here's the rub. They also talk about that, you know, just going to Mars isn't going to cut it. This one-shot deal of going to Mars um, is not going to do it. it. It literally will will not make um, it'll not make the grade. And you know, when they say ambitious program, they're not talking about just going to Mars. They're saying that if you're going to go to Mars, you've got to do some stuff to get there on a regular basis. And, it, and, and in between the lines, it suggests that a single mission just to go to Mars and come home is a bad idea. And they don't go into a whole lot of detail, but, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely worth reading. I, I think they give a link to the article. But this is a, it, it's a common complaint that I've actually heard from people over the last few years. Yeah, it does. Um, okay, so that the one that we're, I put on there, guys, is from the LA Times. Yeah. It'll still get you to the report. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is, is people are frustrated because um, NASA needs to not only go to Mars, or we, as a species, need to not only go to Mars, we need to go to the moon, we need to then go to Mars, we need to get to an asteroid, we need to get to Titan, and we need to get to Callisto. We need to visit the planet as a species, and we can't get there if people are going to be sending these one-off missions that do nothing but are basically PR scientific efforts and that never going to happen again for five billion dollars a pop. You know, we've, we've got to have something. Yeah. Um, also, oh, here's the Washington, Washington Post article. I've got it. Um, it says NASA's strategy can't get humans to Mars. And again, I agree. It's, it's really, they make some very poignant points in the article. Um, again, encouraging you to take a look and check it out. Okay. All right. For all you fear mongers out there, Scientific American. Um,
first asteroid to fly by the Big ol' asteroid. Big honkin' huge asteroid. Okay. It's gonna come by, come within 777,000 miles apart. And for all you metric folks, that's 1.25 million kilometers. Or at its closest approach, about three, three and a quarter times the distance from the Earth to the Moon. So it's not even gonna come close to the Moon. But, is there a chance of impact on this path? Yeah. But at 1,100 feet, this puppy is huge. So, um, but yeah, it, you know, we're starting to see more and more. Yeah. More and more NASA and other uh, other detection organizations are finding uh, asteroids and things like this that are um, putting our planet at risk. We are realizing just how um, how tenuous our existence is um, on on Earth, and the reality that um, this isn't just this is the perfectly safe planet to live on. What is this one where we're living on right now? Yeah. I mean, between one. Well, well, there's that. I mean, that does complicate things. And not just people, we got civilized people. There's our whole problem. Well, civilization of Earthlings, you know, it, it, that's the whole problem. I mean, they're, they're throwing all this... I, I don't know, I've, I've seen a lot of uncivilized... Well, that's their work. Their work. We, we humans call ourselves civilized. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we got technology, go figure. jpl.nasa.gov has a neat article there where they talk about one of the things that was in the news this week. Read it right there. Read it right there. Um, NASA has started using lasers to send communications data from the ISS to Earth. And they actually had uh, a high-definition video sent from the ISS to Earth using the new laser communications instrument. Now, many of you remember, if you're if you're science fiction fans, um, many of, of you science fiction fans will remember that the craft in this movie 2001 used lasers to communicate with Earth. And they had to have their antenna really zeroed in on Earth in order to get their laser communications technique uh, to actually function well. And, and if you recall, many other shows over the years have used lasers for communication, communicating with Earth. Well, NASA actually has executed, as far as we know, the very first transmission. They call it Hello World. Uh, video message was the first 175 megabit communication uh, for the laser comm science, the Opal's uh, optical payload for laser comm science and technology demonstration that allows NASA test methods for communication with future spacecraft using higher bandwidth than radio waves. And of course it's a test bed uh, for other technologies as well. Oh, I understand. I thought we already did the, 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 the We've used 
laser beams flashing back and forth. Uh, it is faster, but the biggest thing is, is light can carry a broader bandwidth than can radio waves. And in fact, we all, most of us may know, people may not understand that that an optical fiber, which carries light, can carry a lot more data than can a copper wire. Hence why cable.
She got up close and personal. Well, moving on to international news. Um,
Like I said, well, your list is old. You were sleeping, doing other stuff. So here it is. Anyway, Mars Initiative. MarsInitiative.org. Okay. There you go. MarsInitiative.org. Um, this is this is an organization, the Space Advocacy Group, um, and uh, their global fundraising organization. They're dedicated to raising money for the Mars Prize Fund, the first mission that lands humans on Mars. Now. I didn't know about this group, and they're connected to the ISDC, Mars Society, Space Midcast, um, to a lot of different things. They got a whole boatload of articles out here. Um, but as it, huh? oh yeah, they're not a focus images. They got a little slider on the front. Um, so, but check them out. It's it's another way. You know, you get the Mars Society. You've got um, Mars Drive. Uh, a function of, I believe, uh, there's Mars One, there's Mars uh, Inspiration, there's um, Mars Direct, which is, I believe, the NASA uh, way to get to Mars. So it's some interesting stuff here. they got some nice photos, uh, a lot of links, uh, talk about themselves, of course, uh, and a few things to think about there. So anyway, um, Now, um, 
So they're doing this. We're talking about uh, image companies doing other stuff. Um, and the article goes on to talk mostly about Skybox uh, doing imaging satellites. And these are small little guys, so uh, they can they can take all sorts of cool images. Um, also, a Japanese drink company. Japanese drink company. Yeah, and they're they're wanting to advertise on the moon. And so they're wanting to take their Mokari Sweet Sweat. Okay, that can't can't be right. Um, well, yeah, we're saying it in American style. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> um, the guy's name, the beverage maker Otsuka Pharmaceutical, is planning to turn infinity and beyond to the final frontier of advertising. They're working hand in hand with SpaceX to choreograph the stunt. And basically, they want to put a one kilogram titanium cam partially filled with powdered Pokari Sweet, a Japanese sports drink, on the moon. At least that's the goal. So, so I guess four strings on the moon. Well, you know, it, 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 it would be waiting for the astronauts. I mean, look at that picture. I know. That's where I am. Oh, you know, if they're going to put that can on there, then it's got to have a little mini rocket motor on it. Bukhari <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Mini. Okay, here's a question. <laughs> Spray everywhere. Just like a cat. Actually, it's only partially filled with soda. Okay, um, they got a different. There's, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. They've so got they a, They've got an image here that breaks out the capsule to show not only that whoever, not only will whoever opens the can get an interesting look at life in 21st century Asia, but. <laughs> They could theoretically use moon water to mix together a refreshing, ambiguously citrusy beverage. So it's actually the mix wow. for the beverage. So it's not a full pop can. But it would be an interesting publicity stunt. Ambiguously citrusy beverage. <laughs> it's a publicity stunt. Okay. So, alright. Now, here's some things. You got. Uh, also in the news, um, Mars One and Copenhagen Suborbitals are joining brains for a few hours. They're actually coordinating. That could um, hurt. Yeah, that could hurt. Yeah. They've divided. Uh, what they've done, um, they're working closely. Um, yeah, they're working on the plans for the concept sketch. Uh, basically a glass habitation module for Mars. Um, it's interesting because it's modular um, and they're talking about actually building these modules out of the regolith, basically Mars dirt. They're talking about making glass out of Mars dirt. Which could be interesting, yeah. If they can, if they can scoop up enough of the of the dirt and the habitat, I gotta say, you know, these are, it's an interesting design. It really is. Um, and they've got uh, a lander shown in the images. Uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, so yeah, check that one out. Also from Iran, 
Navy guy. Um, Tehran is working on plans to build a spacecraft to send more living creatures into lower orbits in the future. So basically, it's a suborbital spaceflight craft, uh, probably just dipping their toes into the space. Um, and of course, they'll probably have to repoint it to get their for the critters to do their prayers every six hours or so. But. Uh, January last year, they announced that they sent a monkey into space. Uh, in mid-March, uh, they announced the launch of a rocket carrying a test capsule designed to house a monkey. Uh, the capsule been unveiled and thing. They've already sent small animals into space, rats, worms. About this is this is just another step on their plan. They want to put astronauts in space in 2024. Iranian astronauts. They want to put Iranian astronauts in space by 2024. And you know, I, I wrote an essay some time ago where I talked about other nations uh, getting into space. Can you tell I'm ignoring your comments? Probably. Yeah, I know you're going to keep going anyway. Um, and one of the challenges, one of the points that I made in the article talked about the idea that as China, well, India, which, uh, and the ESA organization, and Russia have all found out, and I think China is going to find out very soon, as a nation launches an aggressive space program, they find that as long as that program is based on um, national pride, it gets really expensive. And getting public support to keep going becomes problematic after a while. NASA is fighting against a dwindling, uh, dwindling support now and dwindling ideas to resurge that support. But the bottom line is, down that path, um, the more challenged your space organization is going to be to gain funding for the additional science missions. Uh, basically, the crux of the essay was to say that as long as government programs are geared towards science missions only with problems that they face in that regard, they are going to end up in dwindling results.
like the Kepler images, the Hubble pictures. We've got pictures from Cassini coming in almost on a daily pick, daily uh, basis. Um, so there are just literally too many of these images to come in on a daily basis, much less a weekly basis, for me to cover these kinds of images. Now, we do talk about many of the things that are happening, like the asteroid we talked about earlier. Those are bigger news items that that just, granted, they're, they're, we're getting almost an asteroid report almost once every couple of weeks now that could have come through and portents a potential risk to our planet. But uh, so our focus is primarily on manned programs and manned program processes here, but also on the occasional item like Iran is moving forward in their plans to build a space program. China, we're following their program to a certain degree. Uh, and there are other countries who are beginning to dip their toes into the um, space industry and see what they can actually accomplish. But we're, they're all struggling to make progress in an arena where um, it's expensive. It's got awful expensive to go to space, except the way SpaceX is doing. And by comparison, SpaceX is orders of magnitude cheaper now. Can you imagine when they get that booster online regularly? company offers the next space radio program do so every week Sunday night 7 p.m. Mountain Standard uh, yeah, right now. Mountain Standard Time
Again, this is Patty Holtran, and this is KWOD Radio, and we're on live. And this is the Alan Joe Show. We're talking about Next Space. This is the commentary area. And, and that's just the minimum to, to 
design a specialty rocket, to design the specialty lander, to design all of the food, the, the, the radiation gear, the protective gears, water, all of the stuff that goes into a single purpose mission to go to a single destination. Now, we've seen, I've seen a lot of videos recently that talk about the idea that it just is patently wrong for single-purpose missions. It'd be like taking, buying a 747, flying it from uh, New York to St. Louis, throwing it away, and then getting another plane there and flying the rest of the way to L.A. You know, or even worse, buying one, driving it, driving a limo all the way to uh, L.A. and setting it on fire and getting another one to come home. Or just destroying it, you know, I mean, that's what NASA does. It's the single mission mentality. You can't go to the moon or Ma and Mars together. Why not? You're trying to tell me people that you're not going to call in and argue about this. I hope they do. I hope they call in and argue on this point because I got to tell you, the reality is that business as usual for NASA, business as usual for any society that advocates a single launch or even a multiple launch to build a single rocket in Earth orbit to go anywhere beyond the moon is flat out stupid. Now say it right to your face. It is patently a waste of money. How much a waste? You're talking five billion dollars for any mission to go anywhere beyond the moon. You know, I think it's just, we don't have that kind of money. No, we don't. I'm going to healthcare. Well. Can't afford to pay the taxes for the five billion dollar mission to go to the to, to Mars because we're paying extra taxes for Obamacare. Yeah. Okay. Or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of things um, that go into that. Um, and let me just share a little bit with you. I, I did a little research this week, yeah, anticipating um, this particular episode because I wanted to share with everybody uh, a little piece of information. Now, we've all been, been really proud of the fact that we send uh, progress ships and dragon ships and CS we've got the CST getting ready to go up to the IS to the, to the space station. We've got uh, a host of spacecraft that deliver um, to the space station. Now, I took um, a, uh, a spreadsheet and I, I wanted to, to uh, kind of find out how many uh, ships we've sent. But what I am going to do, yeah, um, what I am going to do is we'll be, we'll be launching a website soon, and I want to talk.
talk about just the modules that have gone up and been destroyed. Now, we can talk about the Soyuz ships that have gone up, and, and quite honestly, um, the uh, Dragon, SpaceX, has actually sent um, one, two, spacecraft into orbit uh, since 2010. And all eight spacecraft have come back. That's a, that's a pretty good thing. Um, in addition, we've had uh, China has launched three of their Shenzhou into orbit. Those have come back. Uh, NASA sent uh, the shuttle. The last shuttle went out in uh, 2011. Uh, Endeavor and Discovery were launched that year and came home safely. Um, we have had a boatload of Russian Soyuz. Okay, correction, 20. Uh, well, about, about uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. We have 19 Soyuz craft who carried crew members up and back to the ISS since October of 2010. So that's, that's, that's interesting. Now, each of those spacecraft were basically, they, they went up, of course, to the ISS, and then they came back down, and it was basically one mission. Now, they, those Soyuz, generally, they usually, I think they've got, what, two on-site at the ISS at any one time. Um, I know they've got a progress on-site, because they use it to fill with, with trash. But here's the other thing. Uh, Ariane Space has launched four ATV cargo craft. One every year for the last four years. Orbital Sciences has sent five Cygnus spacecraft since October of 2014. So we've got four ATVs, five Cygnus, four Japanese HTVs, um, Orion is actually sending one up in December this year, so it's uh, not up there yet. And then the Russians have sent up uh, 17 progress ships. Now, mind you, this is just since 2010. So in the last four years, Collectively, we have sent up and destroyed um, at least, sorry, I can't count that fast. spacecraft have gone up into space, delivered cargo, and burned up in the atmosphere. 31 spacecraft in four years. Well, that's just it. Um, the 
prices, the cost of these spacecraft are, are pretty hefty. We're probably looking at, uh, well, let's see. I'm, I'm guessing here that we're looking at a minimum cost of probably $100 million. No. $100 million, 30, that's $3.1 billion on one-off missions. Well, no, while that's a great sentiment for that $3.1 billion, and keep in mind, that figure is low. I'm estimating low. All right? It's probably more than that. Yeah. Kind of strange people Yeah. Um, yeah. But 31 spacecraft have been set up to take supplies up. Now, let's let's keep this in mind. Now, 31 spacecraft, and they're taking an average of about a ton, sometimes more, about 2,000 to 2,500 pounds of air, food, fuel, uh, supplies, uh, they're taking up experiments, and then what they're doing is they're filling, the ISS is filling these things up with this trash and burning up the ship plus the, the trash in the atmosphere. They've done this 31 times in the last four years. Now keep in mind, the space station has been occupied for what, 10? 10, 10 years now? And they've been doing this. They've been doing this for ten years, and we're only counting the last four. I don't even want to think about what those numbers are. The amount of food, the amount of well, yeah. And here's the thing: this smacks of an infrastructure waste, absolute infrastructure waste. Now, granted. I don't know what it would take, but at a minimum, these ships have enough fuel to deorbit, which means they've got to slow down. That's a substantial burn. Couldn't they be put into a companion orbit of the ISS and simply build a fuel depot? Or, or just think about the spare parts this would be building. Yeah. Now, I am not so naive as to think that you could take 31 of these craft, move them over to a companion orbit, and be able to continue to control them for very long without sending up additional fuel. Well, that's great. And 31 spacecraft. But you still organize them with those that go back and forth. Well, that's, that's true. But here's, here's the thing. What would we do with those 34, 31 spacecraft if we well, had them? No, we're not going to have 31 of them. something wrong with some of them. Well, but here's a question. Yeah. The whole point of the conversation tonight is what's wrong with the vision that NASA is 
is currently reporting. What's wrong with the vision of Mars One or Mars Inspiration? What's wrong with the vision of any of these organizations who are touted to be a nonprofit who want to send this big PR campaign of send a ship to Mars, send a ship to Moon, send a ship wherever the hell they're going to send it? couples. 
but and and both of them are looking at ways to do additional fundraising. But if they combine their resources, I'll bet they can do the Mars leg in a lot less money, and they can probably hit their mark a lot sooner if they also worked on an old plan. I remember many years ago, several years ago, I don't know, but it was talked about that you really shouldn't launch a Mars ship from Earth. The cost in propellant is huge.
builds infrastructure to get us first to the moon with a settlement on the moon that they then build and supply or rather they don't build but they assemble a Mars craft from used vehicles and a few new parts we'd have to add some new parts we've got to have something that's going to carry the fuel we've got to have something that's going to uh, a module that's going to protect the astronauts during transit these are requirements and we don't have those yet but a common vision that can get these modules into lunar orbit in preparation for the range point launch makes a lot more sense than launching single missions straight to Mars that's just irresponsible at the same time it's been said and shown the Delta V requirements for a launch to Mars from Lagrange Point is a hell of a lot less expensive than going from Earth or even Earth orbit for that matter now there are a lot of things coming down the pike right now that lead into just the kind of infrastructure that we need for this a vision that we really need to think about. I mean, if you search the web, it, it, it's not hard. I mean, there's a lunar cycler under construction. They're making progress, for crying out loud. A lunar cycler. Now, that, that gives us a way to go from the Earth to the Moon. All you do is catch up with it from, lunar, from Earth orbit, and then you slow down from, from the cycler. But the, the thing is, it would have supplies on board, yeah. either from Earth or from the moon. It's bus service. <laughs> it's a space, space subway, for crying out loud. Oh, Why aren't we talking about go. this? Space subway. There you go. I'll bet we could get Subway Sandwiches to sponsor it and, send, and have somebody up there. They could have a store up there. Serving Subway sandwiches. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to stop at the host at, at the uh, gas depot and have her shut up? <laughs> Space, so. Space, so. There you go. Subway. There you go. I mean, you know, I, I, I could see organizations like FedEx and UPS competing over uh, space tug cargo craft that would be hauling air, food, water from the moon over to the ISS. Why should we be launching all of the food, air, and water, and fuel supplies from Earth? We should have a depot on the moon that does that, but it's going to take a couple of years to build that. It really does. I should. I mean, it's taken 30 years to do it the same old, same old, so you know what? Maybe we should start doing No, it's that. taken almost 50 years. Yeah, We're pushing 50 since... Uh, NASA engaged. Well, no, actually, since NASA was established, 
tonight's commentary oh, is. I'm starting to hear calls from other people for a single vision to space. And, and yeah, that's good, but everybody is still rebelling. Where's the response from Mars One? Where's the response from Mars Inspiration? Where's the response from the Mars Society? Where's the response from Marston or Elon or um, even from... Um, space adventures or any of these that are going to depend on that infrastructure being in place yeah. for their missions. Exactly. That's because if they're not going to be pushed to do this, they won't do it. Because they want to do their own thing. They really do. They're ball. They're only on there. I cannot imagine. You know, we talk about the price of a, of a single-shot Mars mission, or a single-shot Jovian mission, or a Saturnian mission, all being over $5 billion, and typically these are 20-year development plans. These are not quick things. In 20 years, we can be on the moon in four years. We could have a depot and a settlement on the moon in four years. Yeah, which would still be in your guys' lifetime. It would be in, you know, Buzz Aldrin has talked about wanting to go to Mars for years. This man's getting old enough now that any current, any project currently on the books to go to Mars is going to be too late for this guy. He's never going to make it. Hey, Buzz, would you like to go? Four years? You know, I remember a show years ago, Bionic Man, we have the technology. And you know, the reality is we do. Whether it's whether it's SpaceX, whether it's the Atlas V, the Delta IV, okay, these ships can send pieces of craft into orbit. The Russian Soyuz, the, the Ariane... Um, what are you getting on this? What?
they take the long way around. They don't try and do it in three days. That's expensive. You take six days even, okay? There, there, there are longer paths and you use less fuel, so you carry a little extra fuel. I mean a little extra food, all right? You do a few more experiments along the way. You test the radiation exposure along the way. You do all this stuff that finds out what do you have to do in between. When you get to the moon, you've got a two-part craft. You've got an orbiter, and, and you've got a lander. When you send the people down to the moon, they start building a habitat. Not a tin can, for God's sake. And then, they, and then they send the orbiter back to Earth. And what they're going to do is that becomes our first tug. They bring the next crew. You don't send a multi-billion dollar ship on a one-shot deal, for crying out loud. You take that orbiter, you give it enough fuel to come back. You, that's what they did on Apollo. It went to the moon and came back. Well, then it should do that. It should be refueled when it comes back to Earth orbit and sent out again. We'd save a huge, we'd save one launch for every crew we send up. Because currently, every single design I've seen requires two launches to get a moon or a Mars ship into orbit. figure that's what?
similar to what I'm proposing. And what I'm proposing is not new. It is not new. People have said we need to stage ourselves to the moon. People have said for decades we need to build a settlement on the moon. Not a depot, not a base. A base is temporary. A depot is military.
Good night, folks. We'll see you next week. This is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holster, and we're signing out for the night. Just to let you know, Phoenix Comic Con is over, and they have already let everybody know, hey, they're going back. Going back to the same time frame that they did last year, back to Memorial Day weekend. So, they've already put the dates out. It's going to be last weekend of May, 28th through the 31st. So, what else we have going on? We have lots of stuff going on this this next week, we've got a uh, con over in uh, Las Vegas I'll be speaking at. That's going to be Combat Con. We'll be talking about chicks and chainmail. My One of my favorite subjects next to time travel. So I'll be there uh, the 12th through the 15th. Be back home. Then, of course, the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con is the 20th through the 22nd. Also, I'm going to be on the 20th. I'll be out at the Mesa Urban Garden for Angzilla from 7 to 10. That's the Mesa Urban Garden off of 1st Street uh, for Angzilla, where we have lots of authors out there and artists talking about our cool stuff that we create and how we create it. So that'll be on the 20th. Got the Reawaken panel. It's going to be 6 o'clock on June 19th. That's Thursday. Reawaken. Take a look at it online and find out more information. The Hey Girl Show. One of our favorite gals out there. Ice House Tavern on East Thomas Road. And remember, that's the back of the building. Back where the ice rink is. Yes, they still have an ice rink there. So that's 7 to 9 p.m. on June 18th, the Hey Girls Show. We will be featuring Love Lost. So that would be, uh, I think that's it for now. We will definitely have some more shows coming on. I just wanted to get you guys up to date with some of the different things. Old Man Monster Party Phoenix. Shoot me if I don't do this, though. But I won't be in town. But... Mad Monster Party Phoenix is uh, the 13th through the 15th. And, of course, uh, we'll figure out how Al's going to do the show by himself next Sunday from 7 to 9, or I can talk to him, talk him into it from Las Vegas. Wouldn't that be fun? There's <laughs> the two different states going on. So, uh, that and also... We've got uh, got to Jungle Survival Marketing that I'm teaching on Wednesdays. I already started on the 4th, but you can still get in on it. We have Wildflower Bread Company at 7001 North Scottsdale Road in Scottsdale from 6 to 9. That's Module 1. There is a cost. There's lots of really good stuff that you're going to learn including developing your own media kits and your own marketing plan for your books. So if you're an author, you really need the Jungle Survival. So, yeah, look, Facebook me at pj.holstrand, H-U-L-T-S-T-R-A-N-D. Remember two T's or they won't find me. That's pj.holstrand. 
So if you want to know more information about that jungle survival class, let me know. Also, we'll have one coming up online. Uh, that's going to be the manuscript to to uh, book sales in eight weeks. Now starting on the 16th, which is Monday, right after right after I get back from Vegas. Aren't I lucky? So I get back from Vegas and I'll jump right into uh, teaching. <laughs> lucky me. So with that, you guys have a great night and so will we. Remember to enjoy the rest of the night. Uh, get a glass of wine. Just relax or sit in front of television and, or just you know, listen to some music. That's always fun. You guys have a great night. KWED Radio, Patty Holstrom signing out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.